All righty. Lovely to chat, but let's bring our conversations to a pause. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I am going to pray for Tim as he brings the word. So if, you, um, if you're comfortable, let's stretch out a hand because, Tim, we're so grateful for you. So grateful. I haven't got enough words, but I know this doesn't just come up out of nowhere. So thank you for the time that you've put into bringing this word for us this evening. We're really excited to hear from it. So let's just pray for Tim. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this incredible man of God who leads us with such grace and kindness and challenge. We thank you for this word that he's bringing us tonight. We pray that you would pour into him as he pours out. And I pray, Lord God, that we would have hearts to hear what it is that you have this evening. Bless him. We thank you for him and for his family. And we thank you for this time that we have together. We lift it up in the power of your name, Jesus. Amen. Amazing. Thank you so much, Laura. Quite kind words. If you carried on, people thought I was sort of leaving. It was a kind of valedictory. <laughs> so, I'm not leaving. I'm here. Oh my, so much going on. Why would I want to be anywhere else than in Matthew's Gospel? Page. Tell you what, if you um, put a finger in, do you want to find uh, um, John chapter 13? And that's page 1020. And then stick a finger in there. Um, that's in the green Bibles here, so if you're participating online, John chapter 13, stick a finger in there and I'm going to read first of all the, the traditional Palm Sunday gospel reading from Matthew 21, which is on page 935 on the, in the green Bibles here in the room. So I'm going to read Matthew 21, 1 to 11, and then John 13, 1 to um, 17 probably, so two chunks of scripture and then offer more of a reflection because they'll be familiar, both of them very familiar and we're in a familiar time of year to most Christians so I'm not necessarily going to teach as much as invite you to reflect. Matthew 21 verse 1, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you and once, at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And just across to John chapter 13, um, and again, the passage that traditionally we, we read and reflect on uh, this coming Thursday, Maundy Thursday. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel round his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Well, let's just start back in, um, in the Matthew passage, the triumphal entry, the crowd here uh, shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is a weird word to, to normal people. Um, and we've come to understand it as in, in church circles as, as kind of praise, um, acclamation to a, a king, to royalty, to some kind of power. But the commentators tell us that it's actually a transliteration of a Hebrew word which means come rescue, come save. So it is a, it is a kind of greeting in a sense, but it's, it's with and, you know, it's, it's got a sort of application behind it. We, we need you to rescue us. Various references in the Old Testament to, to Hosanna said to a king, you're the one who will rescue us. You will the one who will break in. And so, as Jesus comes, um, not on a great stallion, but on a donkey, nevertheless, the crowd, in anticipation, stirred around sort of Passover. There are all sorts of triggers. And the crowd, could this be the saviour, the rescuer? Could this be God breaking in through Jesus? Hosanna! Come on, God, break in. Rescue us. And of course, we, we know, with the benefit of hindsight, that that's exactly what God did through Christ. In this extraordinary week, as we journey with him, we see that, that God did indeed break in, but not as the crowd back then anticipated. The crowd back then, they, they wanted a prophet, God's voice piece to, to speak God's truth 
uh, that would bring liberation, that would bring this sense of rescue, this sense of God with us. But this prophet, just a few chapters on in Matthew chapter 25, he, he speaks judgment over Jerusalem and over the house of Israel. God is breaking in, but not in the way that the crowd anticipated. They, they wanted a king. But this king, far from ruling on a throne and overthrowing the occupying forces, the Roman Empire, this king is strung up on a pagan cross, dying a criminal's death in shame, agony. That wasn't what the crowd were expecting. This crowd wanted a king who would rule powerfully, who would overthrow the political oppression of the day. But as we've come to discern spiritually, God's, God's breaking into the human realm, to the world we know and live in went far deeper than a mere political overthrow. His, his, his rescue, come rescue, come save, Hosanna. His answer to Hosanna was, was way deeper than anyone there anticipated, which is, which is why when the, the disappointment began to set in, as Deborah's word was a, a, alluding to us, they, they became disillusioned, angry, crucify. This isn't, he's let us down. This isn't, you're an imposter. But they had fabricated the God in their own image. God, in the meantime, is breaking in, but in a much deeper way, which is, which is what takes us to the, the second reading. And, and if you like, the second reflection. God is breaking in. He's answering the clamor of the crowd, but not in a way in which they were anticipating, through Jesus. So how, how is Jesus breaking in? And we, 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 I think we catch it in this act, the Passover meal. I say a week is a long time in politics. A week in the Christian journey is, uh, particularly this week, is extraordinary from the acclaim of the crowds. Matthew records it as a very large crowd. But, but here he is in uh, an upper room with his immediate disciples. And he washes their feet. And, and verse 14 of chapter 13, Jesus says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. It's interesting, um, still chewing over Lucy Coleman's message from last week. I really recommend it if you missed it. Catch it on our YouTube channel. Uh, this, this idea of the church in the image of God as God as family and we the church are a family called together to, to create and make families to, to, to distribute God's love a family making families now that I've done this to you Jesus says you should do it to one another it's interesting isn't it often we, we call it Monday Thursday and it comes from the Latin mandate to, to mandate to, to order to this command um, as I've done this, so you should. And we tend to think of that as a sort of outward, okay, go and, go and serve others. But actually, actually, first and foremost, it starts here. You see, verse 14, with 
I've washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. He says to the disciples, practice what it is to be family in this, in this humble, serving way. Serve one another. And, and the world looking in will see. And that you, you, as you practice that, it'll become part of your, who you are and how you live. And so you, will, you won't be able to help yourself spilling that to others. Your attitude of service, of humility, of, of grace. I wonder whether we think it sort of, of the, the foot washing as, you know, we think of it as costly. I've certainly sort of, you know, spoken on this passage or reflected on this passage before and, you know, talked about how in the Middle East they wore sort of sandals or, you know, they didn't have sort of closed um, footwear as, as, as we do. So on the muddy, dusty roads and, you know, um, sort of public hygiene wasn't all that it might have been back in the day. Lots of oxen and, um, you know, you, every now and then you're trodden in things of a less savory nature and so the idea of washing someone's feet I mean oh you know it's a bit sort of icky and a bit sort of oh gosh and you kind of hold your nose take a deep breath and, and that's the kind of costly element of foot washing we think yeah you know we, we try and imagine that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to do to, to get, in, get involved in the, in the slightly gruesome affair of washing someone else's feet but here's my reflection on this Simon Peter balks doesn't he there's a sort of, no, no, no. But Peter isn't balking at the idea of him being commanded to wash other people's feet. Do you see what it is in uh, verse 6 and 7? He came to Simon Peter. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm going to do, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. Peter's struggling with the idea, not that he would wash other people's feet, He's struggling with the idea that Jesus would wash his. Uh, I, I kind of, I go, I go a bit like this as to whether we should actually do a kind of foot washing in church. We, we, have, we have done that from time to time. I've done it in other churches. It's been a real hit and miss affair. Uh, LAUGHTER um, the, again, the idea was that you know the clergy, the clergy should be the ones like Jesus. We sort of should wash other other people's feet. I remember when in a previous church, it was a church where I did my curacy, and a, a lady, a lady came and presented us. We had a bowl of water and a towel, and she came and presented herself, and um, um, she hadn't, she didn't take her shoes off. And I thought, well. Might be, I don't know, it might be quite a good idea. And I didn't want to sort of patronize or you know, make too many assumptions. I, so I sort of looked at her and she looked at me and I said, and I immediately as I, as I addressed the issue of her shoes, I saw there was, a, there was a deeper issue, which was that she was wearing shoes, but she was also wearing tights. And I, I, I felt that I was able to ask her to remove her shoes, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> so there was this really awkward, and she, there was this really awkward, it was just, it was just really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't volunteer to take part in the foot washing for a few years after that. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, just the idea of, um, I mean, have I got a bit of time? I've got a little bit of time just to play with this idea. It's funny, isn't it, with our bodies. There are certain, certain things that it seems it's acceptable to talk about and, and other things kind of not. Certain parts of our body are sort of very, very acceptable and others... Others were, were a little bit, and I wonder whether feet, our feet come into that category, whether it's because we do spend most of the year covering them up, and we never see or show our feet to others, and we don't often see other people's feet. 
Um, whereas, you know, I can't, I, can't, I can't cover my ears or my nose, so, you know, it is what <laughs> they are what they are. Um, um, but my feet, and, and uh, so I, I'll be honest, I'm, uh, you know, if, if we did a whole vision and I took off my socks and shoes and presented my feet to you, I would, I would have to press through some kind of um, ness. Yeah, you, is, that, is anyone else with me on that one? Few, few people willing to, yeah. Anyone not wanting to admit that they're, no. But it, but it isn't the washing of others' feet. It's the having one's feet washed. That's, that's the issue. I, I wonder whether there's something about, you know, subtly about control. We don't have a body. We are embodied. And, and so f- just keeping our feet to ourselves is, is a way in which we can actually say, I, I'll dictate how close you can come. You can talk with me. You can shake my hand. You can comment on my nose. Um, but but not my feet. And, and Jesus comes to, to Peter. Peter says, no, 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 Jesus, not my feet. And he sort of gets, then goes overboard. Well, okay, well, wash a hold of me. No, Jesus says, no, you don't have to go the whole of you. You're, you're clean. You're in me. Teaching in the vine. You abide in me and I in you. You'll bear much. You're clean. It's every now and then, it's, you, you come back for foot washing from Jesus. I guess what I'm trying to get at, I haven't expressed this very well, I don't think, but what I'm trying to get at is the, the extent to which we're willing to present the whole of ourselves to Christ to be cleaned. The bits that we find easy to, oh yeah, you know, this regularly gets dirty, wouldn't mind you cleaning this. And then the bits that we, we really, we find difficult to, to share it with anyone, with uh, close friends, family maybe. And even maybe Jesus himself. Are, are there areas, aspects of our being, certain th- thoughts or daydreams, certain ambitions or hopes, certain realities that we, we know could do with the cleansing presence and power of Jesus that we just hold back? It strikes me that, that how this, just to try and link the two passages, how, how God will come to save now, how God will come to rescue us, and indeed all of humanity, is, is to go way deeper than just the political realm. We, we pray for Ukraine. We, we pray for the, the work of uh, international relations and, and diplomats who are negotiating. We, we pray for all of that. The political realm is, is so vitally important. We pray for the muddle that we are at home. Oh, the sort of opportunism of a number of our politicians, it would appear. The blind spots that we pray for the political realm. And we pray for, for physical need. That's why we, we, we work with Food Bank. That's why we need more people to donate to Food Bank on a regular basis so that we can put food and drink on the tables of those who had need. We pray for the political realm, for the physical realm, for an emotional realm. We think of if the annual meeting in two weeks' time and Will is going to speak to just the, the vision, the dreams, the plans for uh, this place as a space to live well. That it be known as a place where I, I can come and, and enter into healing and wholeness. So we pray for that's all vital. 
But I want to argue that it, it, transcending, cutting through all of those layers, all of those realms, right to the very heart, the core, is that we and every single human being that lives on this earth is, is washed by Jesus, that presents their whole bodies to be washed by Jesus. Knowing that God has acted in history to take this king coming into Jerusalem on a donkey through the mockery of a trumped up trial to be whipped and scourged within an inch of his life, to be stripped naked. That is Victoriana sensibilities there that he has a loincloth on. Naked, that the physical shame, the spiritual shame, the separation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is how God chooses to come and rescue, to, to answer the cry of Hosanna in, in the most extraordinary, unique, history-changing, destiny-forming way. He, he takes on all of our filth on the cross in order that we might be washed with his cleanness. Hosanna to the son of David. God has broken in. He's transformed human history. Not how the crowd or even us would have planned or anticipated. But as he washes our feet, dies on the cross to wash the whole of our bodies inside and out so that we can present ourselves to him as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the glory of his name. Palm Sunday through to Maundy Thursday, the Good Friday because of Easter Sunday. What a week. Let's pause for a moment kind of chew the cud. Haven't, I, I venture to suggest you haven't heard anything new this evening, but just the Spirit often takes what is familiar to us and reapplies to our hearts, our minds, re-envisions us, redirects us, re-roots us.
I think one of the ways in which God is so radically different from our way of working or thinking is, is, is through this idea of washing. That, you know, the, the metaphor of foot washing for us is, is, is kind of a bit awkward. And by distinction, by contrast, when, when we allow the Spirit of God to wash us, and maybe, and perhaps especially a particular, we, there's particular, you, you know, your feet, a particular part of your body. So we, we bring a particular area that we, we know we want God to bathe, to tend to, to clean. It is, a, it is, it is a beautiful thing. It's, there's no sense of awkwardness at all. At all. We, the faith step is to walk out of shame. And as we walk into the light and out of darkness, we walk out of shame, we walk out of guilt and into freedom, healing, wholeness. I want to invite us maybe, uh, yeah, Laura and, and the guys, if you want to come and join us as we, as we sort of ease into a response. I want to suggest that maybe for a few of us here, the, the particular response is to, is to come and be washed and, and to expect the freedom that comes from that, the, the kind of beauty, the, the cleanliness, the lightness of spirit, all, all the good things. There's no sense of awkwardness. It's, it's in distinction to that human sort of awkwardness of foot washing. This is on a whole different realm, a whole different level of being cleansed by God, healed by God, renewed by God as we allow him to draw near to us. Why don't we stand together?